Anyone who says that a nonprofit CEO or a CEO of any kind, for that matter, should have an open door policy has never been a CEO. You can be accessible without an open door policy, but it's hard to be productive with one. Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be back from my break. I um, had a great time off, some time to focus on these new podcasts and really get excited about the fall. So I'm so happy to be back. So glad that you joined me on my first episode since the summer break. And let's get started. So today I want to talk a little bit about um, the problem with an open door policy. One of the things that I often do on vacation is like to go back and revisit things that need to be tweaked or things that need to be um, revised or refined. Um, And one of the things that came across my mind during this time off was the fact that I needed to really reestablish some boundaries. And one of those boundaries were the communication practices that I put in place to help facilitate better communication with my team and donors and volunteers, but also to give me the bandwidth to be able to do the projects on my desk that required thought and deliberation without interruption. So I'm going to talk about what led to my communication policies in the first place, um, but also um, how to set some up for yourself. So let's start, as I love to, with my podcast with a story to kind of illustrate the need for personal communication policies for CEOs. So by the end of my first month as a CEO at Interfaith Family Services, I felt like I was going crazy. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out how I was working 10 hours a day, but failing to complete most of the major projects on my list. I'd always been very productive, especially in my previous roles. I knew that I was working hard in this one. I was skipping lunch most days and working later into the evening than I'd ever worked in my professional career. But still, it seemed like I was failing to get the really important things done. Then one day I made a point to observe my activities for the week to try to figure out what was going on. Now, it didn't take long for me to realize what the problem was. Not only was my schedule packed with meeting after meeting, but when I wasn't in meetings, I was constantly being interrupted with by various members of my leadership team with questions that they had throughout the day. 
The development director would walk in my office with letters for me to sign and updates on grants that were approved or denied. The CFO called with random questions all throughout the day. The program staff were constantly dipping into my office and asking if I had a minute. The facility staff dropped in to ask for new equipment, resources, and staff. It just went on and on. I felt so scatterbrained because the variety of the issues that were being presented to me in any given day were being presented with no consistent flow, rhyme, or reason. Not only did it keep me from being able to complete the projects on my desk or develop the new relationships with donors and others that I needed to develop, it also prevented me from making the best decisions. I was making too many decisions on the fly, often without the heads up needed to logically organize my thoughts or be in the frame of mind that I needed to think deliberately or logically. It was creating a mental mess in my head and one in the organization's culture as well. Can you relate? I knew I needed to get a handle on things and to do it fast. So... Earlier in my career, I developed this custom of whenever I was confused, frustrated, or overwhelmed, I took a three-day weekend to figure things out. Day one, I relaxed my body and my mind. Day two, I kind of review the issues. Day three, I revised my approach. So I did this um, when I was feeling overwhelmed when I started at Interfaith, and as a result, I implemented a team communication strategy that I still use to this day. That's what came out of my long weekend, a team communication strategy that would help manage the flow of questions and and requests in a way that would allow me to not only handle them appropriately, but also have the time I needed to do the things that were on my major task list. So do you want to know what that strategy was and how it worked? I'm sure you do. So let's talk strategy. Okay, so let's talk about this team communication strategy. As I said before, I realized that the constant interruptions and distractions were affecting my ability to make sound decisions. And it was also adding to my stress as a new leader. I needed to gain control of my schedule and my time. So I put five communication rules in place to help me do that. Rule number one, all meetings had to be scheduled via my assistant. So first, let me say this. If you are a CEO or executive director of a nonprofit or any organization and you don't have an executive assistant, stop right now and get one. Like there is just no way that you can handle all of the nuances of your job without someone to help you do that. There are just too many details to manage. There's too much going on. So if, if it is at all in your budget, if you have any money at all, if you have to rearrange other things, get an executive assistant and get one fast. Get a temp if you want to try a few out to make sure you find the one that has the right rhythm and the flow that you need or that works well with you, but I'm telling you, you need an assistant. So with that being said, I had an assistant, but I just wasn't using one efficiently. So what did I do? Rule number one, all meetings had to be scheduled via my assistant. No more walk-ins. My assistant was trained to ask for the purpose of the meeting, 
when dealing with internal requests um, for meetings among my staff, she would ask for the subject matter um, and what basically what will we cover. And then once they told her, she'd ask them to send that subject matter in an email um, if they could, or wait for one of my regularly scheduled meeting times. So she'd ask them, hey, in other words, she'd ask, can this be sent to her in an email more efficiently than you know her schedule because she has a very busy schedule? Or can this wait till you guys regularly schedule meeting? Because I had a weekly meeting with each of my leaders. So she would kind of help them to determine what needs to happen. Should they send an email? Should they wait? If they said that neither would do, um, when she scheduled the meeting, she had to have an overview of the subject that we would be discussing. I didn't allow people to tell me, like, I'd rather share it in person. I told her never, ever accept that as an answer. Basically, I don't like being blindsided, so I need to know what we're going to talk about. And she would ask them and make sure that that was something that I would know going into that meeting. And one other thing I had my executive assistant do was sign a confidentiality agreement so that I wouldn't have to worry about those things, you know, getting out before I had a chance to address them. Also, meetings were limited to 30 minutes and designed for specific days and times that were blocked in my weekly schedule for staff issues and ideas. So I set aside, you know, one afternoon a week that had about four, sometimes to six, 30-minute blocks that she could put people in if there was a meeting request. Obviously, not everything would happen on that designated day or not everything could wait to that designated day. And she knew how to add it on my schedule if that was the case. But for the most part, having a designated day really worked for me. So this way I was still accessible, but it enabled me to be prepared and ready for the discussion even do a little research if I needed to. So that was rule number one. All meetings had to be scheduled via my assistant. No more pop-ins. Rule number two is that I wanted to have individual leadership meetings instead of a weekly group leadership meeting. So for the life of me, I just couldn't understand why my leaders were coming to me with all these additional questions throughout the week after we just had a group leadership meeting on Monday. But, but what I found through my kind of analysis and review was that some leaders didn't want to share their issues, questions, and concerns in front of their colleagues. So instead of having a weekly group meeting, I have weekly one-on-one meetings that last about 30 minutes per leader. They're stacked back-to-back every Tuesday. So we still have a, a monthly group leadership meeting to encourage collaboration, synergy, and prepare for the month ahead as a group. But I also have brief one-on-one meetings every week with my leaders for problem solving and troubleshooting and quick updates. And that seems to work really well. Those meetings are really efficient, but it also gives them a kind of comfortable, confidential setting for them to share the problems that they have, their team, but also sometimes the problems they're having interacting with other departments. So that works really well. Rule number three was the three solutions rule. So I wanted to empower my leaders to solve their own problems and to think more strategically. And I implemented a rule that all issues and problems must be presented with three viable options for me to consider. 
With that being said, I could go with the fourth option that I thought was best, but that wasn't the point. The point was I wanted my leaders to think through solving their own problems because I didn't want to become like the chief problem officer where you have a problem, you just lay it on my, on my desk and then I have to figure out how to solve it. The three solutions ruled, make sure that they weigh the pros and cons and made sure that they challenged themselves to kind of think out of the box, that they could collaborate with their team for some options. It really empowered them to think through their, their issues and challenges. And often they would have the solution when they came to me. And I would just kind of ask a few questions and, and troubleshoot it a little bit, but it really empowered leaders to know they can solve the vast majority of their team's problems. It, it increased their confidence. Um, I identified a lot of people that could be promoted through the three solutions rule because I got to see how people thought. I got to see who was synergistic and strategic and 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 who was gifted in a variety of areas. So the three solutions rule really works. So my assistant would also remind members of the team that they needed to employ the three solutions rule when scheduling a meeting about a problem. So that worked out great. Rule number four, no more verbal request for big changes or projects, proposals only. So someone said, I want to start a new program, or I want to implement a new event, or I want to do X, Y, and Z that's big and out of the norm and requires staff and financial resources. I said that all of those types of projects or proposals, maybe even making a big purchase, had to be submitted with a, with a written proposal for my consideration prior to a meeting. The written proposal had to include an overview of the request, pros and cons, cost, and an implementation timeline. Not only did this help reduce the number of requests that I received in any given day, but it also created a format that could easily be shared with others for input and reviewed by me. It also ensured that the request was important enough to actually do the work on the front end, and if approved, whoever made the request would have a plan and the responsibility of carrying it out. My assistant would also remind my team of the proposal rule when scheduling meetings, and she would tell them that I must have the proposal two days prior to the meeting so that I would have adequate time to review it. The proposal rule was a game changer as well, because again, the, the goal is to have your leadership team think through the things they want, how much it costs, how much manpower it costs, what are the pros, what are the cons, how long would it take to do it? These are things they need to know when they're coming to the table. And if it's something they really want, they'll do that work. If it's not, they won't, and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, so that that's a really great rule that's worked out well for me, the um, proposal rule. And rule number five, the final rule, resist the urge to reply on the fly. So this is a rule that requires personal discipline. And it's one that anything that requires personal discipline, you have a slip up one, once or twice. But for the most part, it's something that I've had to really learn to do. Even with the you know no walk-ins rule, the proposal rule, the three solutions rule, staff will still randomly catch you when you're walking in the building or you're in the elevator or they'll get you after an all staff meeting and ask a random question or seek input or approval for something. But I've had to train myself to resist the urge to reply on the fly. 
Instead, I say something like, have you talked to your supervisor about this? And if they say yes, then I'll say something like, well, let me talk to them about it and have them get back with you. If the answer is no, I'll say, why don't you talk to such and such first? And if it's not resolved, contact my assistant to get you both on my calendar. So this works really, really well. Also, if a leader, if it's a leader that's coming to me, I'll say, why don't you send a proposal so we can discuss? So if it's a leader and not maybe another staff member coming to me, I'll just remind them, why don't you send a proposal so we can discuss later? And if I can't think of anything to say, one of my favorite go-tos is let me think about it and get back to you. That's something I say all the time. Let me think about it and get back to you. Then I can put it on my list of things to do. And when I have more time to really think through it at a time that's more convenient for me and it gives me time to process, I can get back with them. So those are the five communication rules. Let's review. Rule number one, all meetings have to be scheduled via my assistant. Rule number two, I meet individually with leadership team members weekly and have a group meeting monthly. Rule number three is the three solutions rule. Any problem or issue has to be accompanied with three solutions for me to consider. Rule number four, no more verbal requests for big changes or projects. Proposals must be submitted. Rule number five, this is for leaders, resist the urge to reply on the fly. These simple changes were game changers for me and my team. It improved communication and allowed me to be more thoughtful and strategic in my decisions. It also greatly reduced my stress. So I want to encourage you um, to give them a try, give one or more of them a try this week and message me. Let me know how it goes. Now, before I close out today's podcast, I want to give you this word of encouragement. You are the leader. You are in charge of your schedule. You make the rules. You set the guidelines. If you don't run your calendar, your calendar will run you. You can set the boundaries that will ensure that you have the time to prepare for meetings and prioritize your personal time. Now it takes commitment, courage, and consistency. First, you must commit to doing what is best for you because you understand that when you are at your best, the organization benefits. It also takes courage to put boundaries in place and say no to others from time to time. And finally, it takes consistency to stick to the guidelines that you set until they become known and respected practices among your team. But it can be done. And I'm living proof. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come. Thanking you for being such a good God, a good father, a good, good father. Thanking you for the example given through our Lord Jesus of just needing to get away, needing to set boundaries, leaving the disciples after big days so he can have time alone for himself. Father God, I pray that you would give us the ability and the strength and the courage to set the boundaries that we need to become more effective in our work. In Jesus' name, amen.
enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely. Change wisely.